Acts chapter 24, we'll begin to read in verse number 22. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject. Now listen, the danger in delay. The danger in delay. Acts chapter 24, we'll begin to read in verse 22. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able and honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Acts chapter 24, we'll begin to read in verse number 22. The Bible says these words, but when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul, to let him have liberty, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he, this is Paul, reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered. This is what he said. Go away, for now, when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years... Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us this morning. God, I pray will prick and convict the heart and life of every lost person that's here today, of those who have never turned and trusted you to be Lord of their life. And Father, I pray when the invitation is given this morning, that Lord, they won't cross over the danger of delay, but they'll yield to the call of the Holy Spirit. They'll call on Jesus today to be Lord of their life. God, we pray for those Christians who need to make spiritual decisions today. God, they're backslid. Jesus, if you came today, they would be embarrassed at how you found their spiritual life. God, I pray that they'll respond to the working of the Holy Spirit, your call on their life today. It's our simple prayer, God, that whatever it is you lead us to do today, God, you'll find us faithful in responding to it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you uh, to be seated. Twenty years ago, uh, when I was a seminary student, I had a job uh, at UPS. And one Christmas, they gathered all of the workers um, who were leaders, managers on belts. And I'd been able to get one of those jobs. And they were going to feed us a little Christmas dinner. Uh, before the shift started, and uh, certainly never turned down, especially poor seminary student, never turned down a free meal. And while we were in there, though, uh, they gave everybody a little present. It was a gift card, and it was a gift card uh, to Best Buy. I didn't even know there was a store at the time that was called uh, Best Buy. Never even heard of it. And so I looked at it, and I thought, you know, I asked if I was walking out the door. I said, well, do they sell fishing lures? And I said, no. I thought, what do I need this for? And so I put it in my, I put it in my glove box, and I, I never really thought anything about it. And from time to time, when I would clean out my car, which wasn't very often, I would see that gift card in there, and I would say, you know, I need to find a Best Buy, and I need to see what they've got there. And finally, one day, I saw a Best Buy, and and I drove, I drove by, and I saw that they had some different computer things in there, and the gift card was only for about twenty-five dollars. But they had some little gadgets. I said, well, I'd certainly, surely I can find something for $25 or less. 
And so I got the gift card, and I, I began to walk to the store, but then I looked on the back of the gift card, and it said, use by this date or void. And so I began, I called, and I wanted to see how much money was left. What I didn't realize, friends, was that there was a deadline, a deadline that I had to use that gift card by. You see, I had delayed in using the gift, and so now I had passed the deadline, and I was unable to. Friend, there's a danger in delaying spiritually. For those who have never been saved, the Spirit of God desires for you. God Almighty, friends, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross that you might not die and go to hell. He gave His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believed Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's paid the price for your sin debt. And He sent the Word of God, friend, by mouth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I'm going to share with you this morning what the Bible says it takes for a lost person to turn from sin and be saved from the penalty of sin. But I want you to listen to me this morning. There's a danger in delaying. Just because God calls you today to be saved doesn't mean that you'll always have that opportunity. Felix was an individual, we're going to see in Acts chapter 24, that crossed over the danger in delay. Paul was on house arrest in Caesarea. We've been in the book of Ephesians, and we saw last week in chapter 3 how Paul reminded the church at Ephesus again that he was a prisoner on their behalf. In Acts chapter 22 and in Acts chapter 23, we see Paul making a very strong defense for the gospel, that it includes the Gentiles. And the Jews, boy, they were glad to hear about Jesus coming as Paul began to share the gospel and how he was saved. But then later on in the lower part of Acts chapter 22, he began to share that God commissioned him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. They became very angry. They didn't, they didn't want the gospel to include the Gentiles. And so he, there was almost a riot, and they were ready to kill him. And Paul declared that he was a Roman citizen. He wanted to uh, declare and to have his case tried before Caesar. And so he had that right as a Roman citizen. And now in Acts chapter 24, we find him being held prisoner at the seaside palace of Felix. Felix was an interesting individual. He was governor of Judea and Samaria. But he had an interesting background. He had once been a slave. He kind of had a rags to riches story. Uh, he was a nobody. He was a nothing. But his brother uh, was a friend to Nero. And just the way dirty politics works, one friend, one palm greases another. And so his brother had him placed in this position that he became governor in Judea and Samaria. And so he really was, as far as the world's concerned, don't miss this. Felix would have been a great success story. Rags to riches. They would have written uh, a document about him. There would have been a little series about uh, how he went uh, from uh, where he was to the palace, from the pit to the palace. And just what a great success he was now in life. And it seemed that he was absolutely happy and all that he had, much earthly success in the world's eyes. But don't miss this this morning, friends. Spiritually, he was lost. And he was headed to an eternity in a place called hell. And so by the providence of God, Paul comes to stay in his house. Can you imagine that? I mean, the greatest of all Christians, you're lost. And God sends the greatest of all Christians who probably ever lived to live in your house for a season. To be able to share the gospel with you. And so he comes to share this, this good news. But Felix gave in to one of the greatest challenges to salvation. I want you to listen to me this morning. 
you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never done what Levi did several months ago, and that is to bow your knee, not decide, listen to me, the good good Baptist doctrine here in the South is join a church, be a good person, be baptized, and that'll get you into heaven. Friend, I want you to know that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in order to have your sins forgiven, you must choose to turn from your sin, believing Jesus died on the cross, that God raised him from the dead. Now listen, call upon him as Lord of your life. You must call him to be Lord of your, that is to bow your life and your knee to his lordship. That's, that's the great need. And if you're here today and you've never done that, The danger that faces you today is the danger that has faced so many and sadly has sent so many to hell. It's the danger of delay. I want you to notice three things that Felix experienced as it came towards the danger in delay. Number one, I want you to notice that there was a scriptural declaration. A scriptural declaration. Now, Paul's going to share the gospel with him. Now, listen, Paul's not going to say, you know, well, up at Greenwood, this is what we believe it takes to be saved. Or down at No Hope Baptist, this is what we believe. Or at Split Again Number 5, this is what we believe it takes for a person to be saved. Paul's going to share the Word of God with him. So I want you to listen to me this morning. It doesn't matter what I think it takes to be saved. It doesn't matter what you think it takes for a person to be saved and go to heaven. What matters is what the author of salvation and the keeper of eternity has to say about salvation. And he's declared that clearly in his word. And that's what Paul is going to share with Felix is what the Bible says. What the Bible says about sin and about salvation. You know, there's a lot said today about non-confrontational evangelism. All these church growth experts that wouldn't know God if they met him in the road. They're going to tell you, you know, if you want to keep people at your church, if if you want to build a crowd, you know, then don't be confrontational. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about lordship. Talk about positive things that make people feel good about themselves. Well, Paul didn't care about making people feel good. Paul cared about seeing people born again from their lostness into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there he is in prison, and he goes to the warden of the prison and begins to tell him, Hey, look, sir, you're you're lost in your sin." And here's what the Bible has to say about that. And see, friends, Paul never got over who he was. Because Paul used to be Felix in Acts chapter 9. He was headed toward hell. He had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ, and he never got over it. And so Paul seized, don't miss this, this opportunity. He was always fishing for souls. He was always looking for an opportunity to tell people about the great need that they had in their life. And that was to be born again from their sin and to know Christ as Savior and Lord. And so Paul begins to share Scripture with Felix. You know, Felix's name, in studied etymology, it it, it literally means happy. That's what it means. Felix is happy. And so literally, if you said Felix, people would think of, of happy. And I guess he was. He was happy in his sin. He was on his third wife. He had stole her from the king of Amasa. And so he was, he was happy in his life situation. I mean, again, what's well, not to like as far as the world's concerned, right? I mean, we went from the pit to the palace. I mean, he's the man. 
Everybody said, boy, I don't know what he figured out. He would have written a book, you know, about how to do it. You know, the art of going from the, the pit to the palace. Twelve things that you can do. And people would have bought it. They probably mentioned churches that have done a study on it to help people. And so it, it seemed like he, was, he, he had so much success. But the reality is this, friend, beyond the world's view, listen, he was lost. Listen, if that's what God said, I want to remind you of something, friend. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. What matters is what God sees you as. That's what matters. If God see, and friend, I want to remind you, you know, we, we see so many divisions in the world today. Northerner, Southerner, Republican, Democrat, all, all these different divisions. God sees two divisions in life, friend, saved and lost. That's all God sees. And my friend, you're one of the two. There's no in between. You truly have either been born again or you're not. When you go down to the funeral home, there's only two kinds of people that are there, alive and dead. There's only two kinds. And spiritually, that's all that's, that's, all that's here this morning. You're either spiritually alive or spiritually you're dead. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And so Paul saw that. Paul wasn't mesmerized as he walked in the palace. He said, so this is the guy from the pit to the palace. Love what you've done with the place. Man, this is awesome. You are so awesome. Paul didn't see that. Paul saw a lost person, friend, that one day was going to die, draw his last breath, and spend eternity in a place called hell if he didn't turn and trust Christ to be Lord of his life. That's what he saw. He saw a soul. And so he seized that opportunity to challenge him scripturally, and he gave him the word. Well, notice what his outline is. Luke records it right here in verse number 25. His three-point sermon. He had three points. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment. Those are the first three things they talked to him about. First, Paul began to share with him about righteousness. And his, his need for it. You know, Romans chapter 10 and verse 3, when Paul wrote the great work on salvation in the book of Romans, this is what he said about the nation of Israel. Listen to this in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Now listen, don't miss this. These were religious people. These were people that went to church every Sunday. They, they had Moses and the law. They had the Old Testament scriptures that they believed in, they affirmed. Here in the South, these were good God-fearing people. Okay? So they were zealous. This is what Paul continues to say. He says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. What's he saying? He says, they're zealous for God. You can get them stirred up. Listen, they, when, when the national anthem plays, listen, listen, they're the first one to rise and do this. When they begin to pray at the ball game, they take their hat off. I mean, but listen, they're humble. They've got a zeal for God. They've got a zeal. But Paul says, not according to knowledge. What's that mean? They don't know him. They know about him, but they don't know him. They don't have a personal relationship with him. They've never been saved. Listen to what he says in verse number three. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, that is their law, they don't have God's righteousness imputed to their life, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. That was Felix. Felix was trying to make 
himself right before God by being a good person. Look up here at me. Some of you are looking down. Look at me. There'll never be enough good you're able to do to make yourself holy before a holy God. You can't do it. On your best day, friend, the Bible says it's as filthy rags before God. That's what God says. On the best day you've ever had, friend, your best is as filthy rags before God. You can't do enough good. You can't give enough. There's not enough churches you can join. There's not enough baptistries, coves, creeks, ponds you can be baptized in to make yourself right. Jesus said you must be born again. And so the righteousness that Paul began to talk to him about is the same I'm preaching to you about this morning. It's a righteousness that must be received. You can't do it for yourself. God has to give it to you. It's a gift that you receive. From time to time, we'll get calls from the schools. And we'll see the number pop up, and I'll think, oh, what have they done now? What'd they do? What'd they do? But it's not. It's a recording. And it'll say this. This is a message from the school lunchroom. Your child is overgrown, and you need to deposit money into their lunch account. And so I do what all good dads do. I say, Melissa, take care of it. And I defer it. And so she'll, listen, my kids are poor as Job's church. They don't, they don't have any money to give. I mean, grandparents give them some money a lot, but they don't, they don't have a job. They can't provide. We have to do for them what they can't do for themselves. And so we write a check, and it's deposited to their account, and then the need is made. Listen, friend, Paul began to speak to to Felix and tell him, you need righteousness because you stand unrighteous before God, and you can't give it to yourself. It's a righteousness, Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, must be received. It must be imputed to you. When Jesus died on the cross, friend, listen, he paid for your sin debt. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All men, that means you, your mother, your dad, your neighbor, your spouse, your best friend. All people have sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard of righteousness. But Jesus died in our place. They placed him in a grave. He rose from the dead. And that was God's stamp of approval, friend, that he accepted what Christ had done on our behalf. And when we choose to turn from sin and self, that's repentance, and by faith trust Jesus to be Lord of our life, listen, God writes a check and says, impute this, deposit this to Chad's life. And so when I see him, I don't see the sinner that he used to be. I see the sinlessness of my son, Jesus Christ. That's the righteousness that Paul began to preach and said, listen, there's not enough pits for you to crawl out of, Felix. You need the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to your life. The second thing he began to preach about, look at your Bibles in verse number uh, 22, verse 25. He, he began to speak about temperance. Temperance. And that's something Felix needed. Temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. It's self-control. It's, it's, it's being able to stop when you're about to sin, you're about to cross over. It's being able to have the power and the control to stop. And it's nothing we can do on ourselves. It's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And Felix needed that. We all need that. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but rather be filled 
with the Spirit. Listen to me, friends. When you repent, when a person repents of their sin and trusts Christ, not only does God, listen, impute the righteousness of Christ to your life, you are immediately indwelt. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. At that very moment, friend, now when flesh and when Satan tries to tempt you to go in the wrong direction, now you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to say no and to turn away. Felix needed to be mindful of that and to see how weak he was and how frail he was. And the only way that he could stand against temptation and the work of the flesh and the work of Satan was to have the Holy Spirit live within his life. And the only way he could do that, listen, was to turn and trust Jesus to be Lord of his life. Now, I want you to listen to this. There's not enough 10, 12, 13, 14-step programs. There's not enough books that you can read to defeat the temptation that sin brings against us. The only way that you can stand and lead a life pleasing to God is through the filling of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can have the Holy Spirit is to repent and trust Christ. And he'll come to live in your heart. But notice this, friend. Not only did he speak to him about righteousness and self-control, but he also speak to him about judgment to come. Judgment to come. It's a payday. It's a payday. God desires all people to be saved. I want you to look up here at me. Listen to me. Perk up. Little things in here this morning that could distract you from listening. You need to hear this. Just as sure as my name's Chad Chandler and yours is what it is. You'll stand at two seats one day. You'll either stand at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ as a born-again believer and you'll answer for what you've done with the time God gave you to serve him or listen. The Bible says as a lost person in Revelation chapter 20 that you'll stand at a great white throne with all those who've never been saved. At the end of your examination, the Bible says you'll be cast into a place called hell for all eternity. Listen to what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11. John says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead, all those that were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now listen to what the Bible says. Listen. The Bible says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Jesus says there will be people who will stand that day at the great white throne who sat in churches just like this. They'd been members of churches. They sat in Sunday school classes. Some were deacons. Some taught Bible studies. They did all manners of things. And they'll stand before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not done all these things in your name? But listen, he's going to go through the book. And the book's got names in it. And it's not names that were predestined and some are put in and some are left out. No, it's all those who turned and trusted. Uh, several months ago, God wrote Levi, Levi Smith right there. He turned and received Jesus Christ. 1979, in the blood of Jesus, friend, my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. God's going to begin to go down through that. And every name that's not found, listen, not on the church membership roll, 
Not on the good works roll, but those who never turned and trusted Christ, those whose names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. One by one, friend, they're going to walk the gangplank of eternity and step into a lake of fire. That's what the Bible teaches. I didn't come up with that. That's what the Bible says. As sure as my name's what it is and yours is what yours, if you've never been saved and you die without Christ, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. That's what the Bible says. And that's what Paul wanted Felix to hear, friend, because he was happy. Pit to the palace, man. He had the tiger by the tail. If he didn't like this wife, he'd move on to number four. I mean, he had it made. And everybody, his entourage was like, man, how did you do it, Felix? You're just so amazing. But Paul wanted him to see the true reality, friend, that he was lost in his sin and he needed to be born again. So he preached to him on three things, righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And friend, I'm telling you, in 2,000 years, not one thing has changed. It's exactly the same. If you're here today and you've never been saved, friend, I want you to know, friend, you need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can't live a life pleasing to God without the work of the Holy Spirit and developing spiritual fruit in your life. And if you won't receive Christ, if you won't be saved, I didn't say if you didn't join the church. I didn't say, friend, if you won't get in Sunday school. I didn't say if you won't be baptized. I'm saying the Bible says if you won't repent and trust Christ, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. And so he was scripturally confronted. There's a scriptural declaration. But second, I want you to notice now a spiritual distress. Spiritual distress. Felix didn't sit there and cross his arms like a bump on a log and say, well, he'll be done in a minute. That may be what someone here is doing this morning. He'll be done in a minute. Look what the Bible says in verse number 25. Look at your Bibles. Don't take my word for it. Look down at your Bible. The Bible says, now he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. The Bible says Felix was afraid. He really got a hold of him. God hemmed him up for just a moment, friend. And he really began to see himself in those scriptures, all these sins before him now, listen, now he's not happy anymore. That happiness is departed. Now nobody's laughing and joking. He's not hee-hawing anymore as Paul comes in. The Bible says that he's afraid. He's in great distress. Now why? Because he sees himself lacking. Don't miss that. He sees that he doesn't have that righteousness. That all that the world says makes him a success, and all that the world says really matters, it's not enough. And it's the Holy Spirit that did it. Listen to me, friend. What I can talk you into, someone else can talk you out of. I didn't come here this morning to try to scare anybody. What I can scare you into, somebody can reason you back out of. I'm just here this morning to share the Word of God and pray the Holy Spirit does the job that only He can do, and that's to apply it to your heart. Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. I can't shame you, but the Holy Spirit, friend, he can hem you up. He'll put his hand upon you. Friend, listen, the Holy Spirit will open up hell and let you look down into it. I'm not talking about literally, but I'm telling you, friend, you'll begin to feel that is me. That's where I'm going. And I don't have that in my life. I need that. The Holy Spirit can do that. He begins to convict of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. See, God took the blinders off Felix. And now he sees how lost he is and his need for Christ. He's convicted. Not only that, friend, listen, he's convinced. He knows Paul's right. 
We don't see that he argues with Paul. Don't say, no, Paul, I just disagree with you. You know, I think you're just, Paul, you're being a little too legalistic about all this. You know, calm down a little bit. Church down the road doesn't do this, Paul. What, what are you so excited about? Why are you talking about all these things? He doesn't say any of those things. He's afraid because he knows deep within his heart he's that lost person, listen, that's going to die and go to hell one day if he doesn't turn and receive Jesus Christ. He knows that's him. He knows that's where he's going. He's afraid. He's convicted. But listen, conviction is not conversion. Did you hear me? Look up here at me. Look. Conviction's not conversion. You may be here this morning and you're lost in your sin. You realize, friend, you need Jesus Christ. You've never been born again. And you feel it. You're miserable. You're hot right now. You've just got that gut-wrenching feeling. Man, that's me. I need to be saved. I need Christ's righteousness in my life. I'm the, I've got no certainty about salvation. That's conviction. But conviction is not conversion. Being convicted doesn't make you saved. It leads you to the place that you can choose to be saved. And so he was afraid. He's convicted. Luke 13, verse 3, from the mouth of Christ, Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Felix, it wasn't enough just to be convicted. Felix now had to choose to turn from all the sin that was in his life and to agree with God. Three parts to repentance. Concur, confess, and change. He had to agree with God that his life was sin. He had to confess and say, God, that is me. I'm the sinner that you say that I am. And then change comes, friend, as one yields yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit. True repentance, friend, will always be marked by change. There'll be a change in direction. But not only must there be repentance, two things it takes to be saved, repentance and then faith. Listen, Felix now had to trust Jesus to be Lord of his life. He had to back. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No one, friend, listen, there's not one single person in heaven or who will ever go to heaven that was saved by trusting Jesus to be their Savior. You're saved by trusting Jesus to be your Lord. To be your Lord. To be Lord, that means, friend, you, you turn from sin and self and you place your life at the feet of Jesus and say, God, you've got my calendar, you've got my time, you've got my finances, you've got my abilities, you've got my family, you've got everything. My whole life is yours. That's lordship. That's lordship. Felix knew he needed to do those things, but conviction is not confession. He was spiritually distressed. And it's the same today. You may be here and you're just like, well, I wish they would hurry up and get to the invitation so we can get to lunch. What am I doing here today? Friend, listen, God's dealing with your heart. God's dealing with your heart. But conviction is not conversion. You must choose to repent and trust Christ. Now notice this, friend, the saddest part of the story, a sad deception. A sad deception. He has the opportunity. Paul shared the word. 
God, by his providence, listen, he placed him there. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. He preached the gospel. And Paul's going to give an invitation. He's going to invite him to turn and receive Jesus Christ. Felix is convicted. The Holy Spirit's challenged him. He knows he's lost. He knows he needs to be saved. Paul's told him what he needed to do in order to be saved, to repent and trust Christ to be Lord of his life. But notice what Felix's decision was. Look at verse number 25. He says, go away for now. He says, Felix was afraid and answered. This was his reply to the invitation. This was his reply. Go away for now. When I have a more convenient time, I'll call for you. Felix had a choice to make, but, but there was a danger that Felix needed to be aware of, and it was the danger in delay. The danger in delay. Satan whispered into his ear, Felix, now don't say no, but just don't do it today. Wait for another opportunity. Wait for another chance. There'll be, another, there'll be another opportunity. And so he begins to say, look, it's just not convenient right now. When I have a more convenient time, I'll call for you. Notice, friend, it wasn't a refusal of the word. It was only a refusal to respond. That may be you this morning. You know you're lost in your sin. You know you need to be saved. Listen. You know. You say, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I believe it. My mom believed that. My dad believed that. My grandparents believed that. I come from a long, long line of Christians. I know what you're saying is true. I know that's in the Bible. And, and I don't dis- dispute any of that. But I'm just not going to respond to it today. It's just not a convenient time to do that today. And there's a danger. There's a danger in that. And I want you to know, friend, God's already told you when you need to be saved. You want to know when that is? 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. What is it, church? Today is the day of salvation. The moment that you realize you're lost and you need to be saved, that's the day you need to get saved. That's the day. God's convicted. Friend, listen. God doesn't convict on installments. It's not a course. When he convicts you and draws you, friend, you need to be saved right now. But there's a danger. You say, what's the big deal? What's the danger? Write this verse down. Write it down on your mind if you don't have a pencil. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. What did I say? Proverbs what? Proverbs chapter 29, 1. Listen, here's the danger in delay. Are you listening? Say amen. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That without remedy. He who is often rebuked and hardened his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. What's the Bible teaching? It's the Spirit of God rebukes you of your lostness, your need for Christ. Every time that you say, well, this just isn't a convenient time, this is what the Bible teaches, friend. You harden your heart against God. You harden your heart. And the Bible says, friend, there'll come a time when the Spirit will not call upon you. You're going to cross God's deadline. God says in Genesis chapter 6, my Spirit will not always strive with man. Just because the Spirit of God convicts you today that you're lost and that you need to be saved doesn't mean that he'll do it tomorrow. He who is often rebuked and hardened his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. True, friend, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't you listen to me this morning. Listen, look at me. If the Spirit doesn't draw, 
you won't call. If the Spirit of God doesn't draw, you won't call. Your heart will be cold and it will be desolate. Where there had once been brokenness, where there had once been fear, just like Felix over hell, and your spiritual state, friend, the Bible says there's a line unseen in your life spiritually that if you cross over because of the danger and delay, you will come to a place, friend, where your heart will be like a cold tomb. And you will no longer have the opportunity to be saved. When the Spirit doesn't draw, you won't call. There's a danger and delay. Pastor Henry Hankins was a pastor of many years ago. Probably no one in here really, we've never even heard of him. He was a great pastor and evangelist in Arkansas. And he told a story one time that I would grip your heart this morning. Listen, it was just a normal day, normal service, just like today. Just another Sunday. But he noticed that there was a visitor that was up in the balcony of their church. He saw the young man. And he began to look at him, and he recognized him. He recognized the young man. He'd been to church from time to time. He was a young man that was in his early 20s, probably, just beginning life. The pastor preached his heart out that morning and gave an invitation, just like we're going to do in just a moment. The pastor invited everyone who had never turned from sin and trusted Christ to do it that day. And the minister of music got up and said, let's all turn to hymn 212. And everyone took their hymnal and they began to sing. And Pastor Henry Hankins stood down at the front of his church and began to look up and he saw that young man. And he could tell that he was under deep spiritual conviction. He was gripping that book. And he, he closed the book and had his thumb in, And he began to move toward the aisle just a little bit. And then, and then he stepped back. And Pastor said, he began to pray for him. Well, God, work on that man. God, overwhelm that young boy that he needs to be saved. God, that he'll step out and he'll come. And, and he opened back up his book and put his head down and began to sing. And he said, one more verse. One more verse. And, and the young man, he began to close his book and, and, and to move. And you could just see the tenseness all over him. And he put his head down and began to sing again. And then all of a sudden, the young man closed the book. And the pastor said, yes, he's coming. And he he turned and he stepped out of the pew and began to walk up those stairs and he saw him disappear out of one of those corners in the balcony and began to look through the back of the sanctuary and said, man, he's going to come. But he never came. He never came. You see, the young man closed the book and turned and went down the stairs and found the nearest exit and walked away from the invitation and back to his life. It wasn't just a few weeks after that. As happens in every church office, a call came in. And said, that young man who was here a few weeks ago, he's in the hospital. He's very sick. The pastor began to inquire about what sickness he had. And it was a sickness, a disease that he now had that was going to be terminal. The young man was fixing to step into eternity. The pastor knew he didn't have much time. And so he went to the hospital and he saw the young man laying there in bed. And he came in. He said, how are you today? And he says, pastor, I'm not good. I, I, don't, I don't feel good. He said, have they told you how serious it is? He says, I know how serious it is. He said, I remember you came to church a few weeks ago. You were there. He said, I really thought you were going to come forward for salvation. He said, son, have you been saved? He said, no, sir, I haven't. I, I've, never, I've never been saved. He said, well, son, won't you be saved today? He said, pastor, I can't. 
He said, son, you can. Jesus died for you. He wants you to be saved. He said, what sin is there that you've got that works dying to going to hell? He says, you're fixing to die. You can't take the sin with you. Won't you turn and trust Jesus? He said, I can't. He said, what do you mean you can't? He said, pastor, that day I stood during the invitation. He said, God convicted me of my lostness. God convicted me of my need for Christ. He said, I knew I needed to come. I knew I was the one you were talking about that was lost. Even though I'd been in and out of church my whole life. My parents went to church. My grandparents had gone to church. I'd been around church. But I knew I'd never been saved. He said, I'm just telling you, Pastor, that day, he said, when I closed that hymnal. Listen, these were his words. He said, something died in me. Something died in me. He said, Pastor... I can't be saved because I feel nothing. I feel nothing. There was a danger in delaying, friend. He who is often reputed and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. He crossed God's deadline and now it's too late. It was too late. Now I'm telling you, friend, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, God has done everything short of violate your free will to see you saved. He sent his son Jesus to die in your place in agony and shame on an old rugged cross. He's given you his word. He's given you a church here this morning that loves you, that even now Christians are praying for your soul, that you'll repent today and you'll trust Jesus Christ. But fear is not enough. Conviction is not conversion. You've got to choose today to turn and trust Christ. And Felix was one of those individuals in Scripture. Listen, we never see that he ever prayed to receive Jesus Christ. He's just another one of those individuals, listen, that missed heaven for the world. He missed heaven for the world. And I want to ask you what that pastor asked that man that was dying in his bed. What sin is in your life that's worth dying and going to hell over? There's nothing. So this morning... Choose to turn from your sin if you've never been saved. Confess it to God. Agree with God that it is sin. Say, God, that's me. And then turn to Jesus Christ in saving faith. Listen, and trust him to be king of your life. And the Bible says, friend, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He'll save your soul. And you can leave here this morning with the assurance of knowing that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And when God looks through the roll, sadly, one day, friend, your name, friend, is going to be, you're not going to be in that line. You're going to be in heaven with all those who've trusted Christ and with him will ever be. Don't disregard this morning the danger of delay. Now, this is, now listen to me right now. Everybody look at me. Everybody look. Look up here. This is when... Everybody checks out when I say the words I'm fixing to say. Everybody just checks out. We start closing Bibles and grabbing purses. This is the most important part of the service right now. Look at me. If you've never been saved, this is the moment where you've got the opportunity to turn and trust Christ. Don't miss out on that opportunity because of delay. There'll never be a more convenient time than right now. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. No one's looking around. No one's making any noise. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Friend, it's yes or no. You've either been saved or you haven't. There's no in between. 
And God sees the real you, friends. He loves you. He sent Christ to die for you. And if you'll only right now, friend, turn from all the sin that's in your life and then place your life by faith at his feet, trusting him to be Lord of your life, he will save you. He'll save you. Don't delay. Trust him right now. With their heads bowed, their eyes closed. If you've never been saved, confess him as Lord of your life as you turn from sin just like this. Pray this prayer. But now listen, it's got to be yours. You've got to mean it from your heart. God knows whether you mean it or not. You make it yours. Pray just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I agree. I recognize it today. That's me. I'm lost in my sin. I've never been saved, really. I need your righteousness in my life. So today, my choice, I'm turning from all the sin turning to you. By faith, I believe Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And I'm trusting him to be Lord of all my life. Save me, Jesus. That's my prayer. Be Lord of me. Save me from my sin. Now, heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. We're going to stand at our feet in just a moment. Listen to me. Are you listening? When we stand at our feet, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. You need some encouragement now. You need some direction from Scripture about what you need to do now that you've trusted Christ. You've responded. I want you to make your way forward when, we begin, when they begin to sing in just a moment. You say, I know I'm saved. I want to ask you a question. We alluded to it earlier. Would you be honest? If Jesus Christ came back to rapture his church today, to take all those who've ever been saved, to heaven with him, would you be pleased with the state of how he found your life? Would you be embarrassed? Would you be pleased with how you've used the time that he's given you to honor him and serve him? Well, friend, yesterday is gone, but today exists. Choose a new beginning today. So I can't do anything about yesterday. I can ask for God's forgiveness. But I can choose today to have a fresh recommitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's going to be evidenced. Why don't you just let your prayer this morning be this. Oh God, I remember the day I trusted you. I remember that feeling, that conviction. God, I've drifted. God, there's not that newness that there once was. There's not that joy. Jesus, if you came back today for your church, I'd be ashamed at the life that you found. God, I've wasted so many days. So I ask for your forgiveness for that. God, today's a new beginning. Fresh and anew, I lay my life at your feet. It's not going to be just in word, God. I'm going to put legs on it with the help of the Holy Spirit. What days I have left, I'll serve the Lord. Well, Father, I pray your perfect will would be done in this place. Though Satan wants to deceive so many like he did Felix in delaying, kicking the can, a more convenient time. Oh God, I pray you will keep his influence from this place. And that which you desire to do in hearts and lives will be done as we bow ourselves to your holy will. God, I pray this morning.
we won't let ourselves get to the best of heaven for the world. Your perfect will be done as we respond to you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverence stand our feet.